Now she was a police officer of sorts, and less dismayed by the presence of a monster than would be the case with others with more conventional CVs. The creature was big, covered in shaggy dark red-brown fur, probably standing two meters tall if it hadn't been crouched there, glaring at her. It was massive across the shoulders, and the fur did little to disguise the great muscles that worked beneath the skin. It was intelligent. She could see that in its eyes, and by the fact that it wore devices of some sort strapped to its forearms. Perhaps this was how Des Garbo turned into a monster, she thought. Perhaps the devices control his metamorphosis. Then the monster started to run at her, and the moment for conjecture passed. Nadia did not panic, nor did she think about escape. Garbo was big, but under all the fur, he was still human, and humans were not something that scared her. Instead, she fell easily into a fighting crouch, her right hand down at hip level, palm up, her left hand at chest height, palm sideways. It was a position she had been taught in Shotokan Karate, but she did not intend to fight the werewolf hand-to-hand. She found the position helped her to focus, to concentrate, to... She reached out with her mind. She could feel the monster's emotions and was reassured to find them human, though warped by the bestial form, like a picture seen through a heat haze. She could feel its anger and frustration bubbling quickly and urgently. It had covered half the distance to her by now, in long four-limbed bounds, using its hands like paws. She only had a second or so before the werewolf would be on her, and when it would surely tear her to pieces. She slid her consciousness deeper, past the fumes and flames of the monster's emotions, past the evidence of its will and intent, and down into the machinery of its brain. Nadia's left hand closed gently as, with her mind, she squeezed. The werewolf's eyes rolled up in its head, and it crashed into an untidy wreck of unconscious lycanthrope at her feet. Nadia grinned, straightened up with her hands on her hips, and nodded with complacent satisfaction. Oh, yeah, she said, over the comatose monster. Not such a big guy now, are you, Garbo? She remembered the man Garbo had been chasing and turned to reassure him that everything was going to be okay now. To her mild irritation, he hadn't halted at all throughout the confrontation, and so had missed her being absolutely awesome. Instead, he was running in a mad panic towards the exit. Nadia's grin faded. It's okay! You're safe! She shouted. But he didn't slow at all. You're welcome, she muttered at his receding back. All in a day's work. No need to thank me. Then, a dead man in a hat stepped out from between two parked vans and shot the fleeing man with a handgun. There was a sharp crack. The running man threw up his arms, did a strange little staggering dance, and fell. Nadia's jaw dropped. Ian Mears, living corpse and her colleague, walked over to the fallen man. He looked down at the twitching body for a moment, then gave it an experimental kick. 
The man rolled onto his back and lay there, feet and fingers still quivering. Ian seemed satisfied with this state of affairs and walked towards Nadia. He did not look happy. What are you like? he demanded when he was close enough to be heard. What are you bloody like? This seemed unfair to Nadia. She pointed at the man. You shot him? The Garbo brothers, remember them? The reason why we're here? Detaining them? He waved the pistol illustratively. Now he was close enough for her to see the gun properly, she realized it wasn't a firearm at all. It looked brutal and functional, but there was no muzzle to it, just a small flat lens where a muzzle should be, with six small studs spaced equidistantly about it. Air taser, Ian said. You'll be fine. He paused to look back at the man, who now wasn't moving at all.